So Colossians chapter 3 verse 18. Now this morning, I want us to answer uh, this question, which is actually in front of your outline there at the back. The question is this. What does God want for all married women who profess to follow Christ? That's actually the question we are asking today. Or to put this question a little differently, what is God's definition of success for a married woman? Now, I want us to answer this question because, not because they have said, let me talk to married women, but because we are going through Colossians verse by verse. And so today, we, are, we haven't been in Colossians for a while, but we are resuming our study and we are looking to complete the study. And today we have come to chapter 3, verse 18. Now, by my count, this is sermon 56 in Colossians, so thank you for staying along. We are now looking at chapter 3, verse 18. Now, before we look at verse 18, I'm conscious that it's been a while since we've been in Colossians. Last time, you remember, those of you who are here, we finished looking at uh, that section from verse 12 to verse 17. And that section taught us how all true followers of Christ are meant to grow in becoming more like Christ. And we ended looking at that section with a summary statement in verse 17 of Colossians chapter 3. If you see it there in your Bible, it says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we said, Paul is saying there, to the Colossians and us, that the point of life, what is the point of life? Well, the point of life is that everything, everything we think, everything we feel, everything we do, must be done in the honor of the Lord Jesus. It must be done to honor Christ as our Lord. That's the point of life. The point of life is to glorify Christ, to honor him. That's what, in fact, verse 12 to 17 is trying to teach us, and 17 summarizes that. Now, from verse 18 all the way to chapter 4, verse 2, Paul applies this principle of living to the glory of God to three important relationships. Marriage, parenting, and the workplace. Now, today I want us to look at marriage, right? Now, I know when all of us are married, but all of us know a married person. And some of us are about, maybe about to get married at some point, right? So we should be interested in this. But we should be interested in marriage as well, because marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. So as we think about what God will be asking wives, especially this morning, we should be thinking about what that means for us in our relationship to the Lord. Christ is our husband. How are we meant to relate to him? So this is of interest to all of us. Now, as I said, this message is divided in two parts, right? This morning, I want us to look at what God wants for wives in verse 18. And this evening, we'll look at husbands in verse 19. Now, I'm aware this is a very sensitive topic, a difficult topic. I'm also aware because some of our experiences of marriage have been very painful for many of us. And some of the things we may hear today may, 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 may be quite painful for some of us, even for those who are still married. And I'm also aware that our society does not have a true biblical view of marriage. It doesn't believe marriage is only between a man and a woman. We do. The Bible teaches that, but society doesn't believe that. 
And many people, even if they believe in biblical marriage, don't see the value of the lifelong union of marriage. Many people see marriage as just a contract they step in and come out. I'm sure you have heard the jokes about marriage, right? Marriage is not a word, it's a sentence. A life sentence goes one job, right? Oh, Sister Solon thinks it's funny. I, I, I wonder whether somebody's going to think this is funny. I'm glad, I'm glad that's funny. Yes, I, I thought it was funny, right? I get the humor. So I never knew what happiness was until, until I got married, and then it was too late. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's more funny, isn't it? That's more funny. And this one, I think, is, is more interesting. It says, love is holding ants in the street. Marriage is holding arguments in the street. Which is quite interesting, uh, the way to put it. Anyway, now, I hope that's not how you feel about marriage. I hope you agree with the Bible, uh, which makes clear that marriage is a wonderful gift from God to us. True marriage is ordained by God, right? And it's ordained by God as a special and unique relationship which brings together a man and a woman together until death parts them. God has set apart true marriage as a sacred gift because it is a picture, as I said, the wonderful picture of our spiritual union between the Lord Jesus and his church. And in his love, God has given us marriage for lifelong companionship, help, strength, and comfort, which the husband is meant to give the wife, and the wife is meant to give to the husband. And of course, marriage has been established by God uh, to continue family life, uh, so that the man and woman together can train their children uh, to love and obey God. Now, I know most of us here agree with this, and yet it is true that all of us who are married, do not always do marriages in the way that honors God. And the big reason for that is that all of us are sinners. Every marriage is a union of two sinners. And on top of that, when we get married, we bring all our baggage into marriage. If you're married, you're brought into your marriage, the baggage of your parents' marriage, your past relationships, your current tensions, they're all brought into marriage. And on top of that, you are constantly picking up all sorts of wrong ideas in our culture about marriage. You know the stuff you hear on your, pop, your iTunes playlist. Stuff you picked up in school and university. The internet and the friends you have, their perceptions. A lot of baggage. And what this all means is that it is very hard even for us who profess faith in Christ to live in our marriages as God has intended us to live. That's one of the things you really, if you're a married person, you really need to let that sink in. Too many of us think we are experts at marriage. But part of the key to growing marriage is to be humble that no, there's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of issues to be dealt with. I need help from God to deal with this, to be the person God has designed me to be in marriage. And God is gracious, isn't it? He has not only saved us from sin, he has given us the Holy Spirit who lives in us, and he has given us the means of grace, the preaching of the word of God, the fellowship of the saints. All of these things are there to encourage us. And especially that Bible you've got in your hand. The Bible is our manual for life. It is the living word of God. It is the only rule for life. 
fully sufficient for life, for everything we need. And this morning, I want us to look into the Bible and look at Colossians 3, verse 18, and see how it answers our question. What does God want for all married women in Christ? What does God want? The first answer is, God wants all wives in Christ to submit to their husbands. God has designed marriage as a lifelong union of a man and a woman, and that all married women in Christ must submit to their own husbands. Look at verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands. Notice that this is a command. It is not a word of advice. The Apostle Paul is not writing this in his own, sort of out of his own volition. The Apostle Paul is writing this with authority from God as an apostle appointed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands. Paul is saying to all married women in Christ, if you are a legitimately married woman, if you are in a marital relationship that meets the biblical standard of a marriage, submit. Submit. It does not matter what your background is. You may be a Greek. You may be a Jew. You may be a Scythian. You may be a barbarian. You may be a slave. You may be free. It does not matter. It does not matter how well educated you are. It does not matter whether you earn more than your husband. You must submit to your husband. And notice that this command from God to submit is also not conditional on the behavior of the husband. Did you notice that? It is to every type of husband. It just says, wives, submit to your husbands. It doesn't say good husbands, bad husbands. It just says, submit to your husbands. Now, let us be clear that the husband here, what is the husband? We live in a society where we have to define that, don't we now? We must be clear to our children here. Let us be clear that the husband here is a male lifelong partner. I know to many of us that seems too obvious to mention, but not to our children who are spending 30 plus hours in schools a week. Our children are sadly being taught every time they're there that two women can marry each other. And one can be called a wife and one can be called a husband. Now that's what we're talking about here. That's an abomination. True marriage is only between a man and a woman because a man and a woman is what God has ordained in Genesis and because the Lord Jesus Christ himself says so in Mark 10, verse 6 to 8. From the beginning of creation, God made them what? Male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. It's a union of opposites, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. All of that is to clarify what we mean by a husband, right? The main point is that wives must submit to their own husband without distinction, without discriminating anything. Wives submit to your husbands. Paul is saying, it does not matter what your husband is like. Some husbands are believers, others are not. Some are clever like King David, others are foolish like Nabal. 
Some are rich, like King Solomon. Others are poor and, and sick, like Job was. Some work very hard, like Jacob. Some are like sluggards in, of Proverbs. Some allow their wives to flourish, like Deborah's husband we see in Judges, and some don't. Whatever the situation, if you're truly in a biblical marriage, a functioning marriage, with no biblical separation, you must submit to your husband. So what does Paul mean by this word, submit? Well, the original word here is hypotasso. And would you believe it is a military term? It's, it's what you expect a junior official to do to a higher official. It means to submit oneself to an authority. Hypotasso. And in the Bible, it's always used for submission to an authority. For example, it is the same word used um, about Jesus being submissive to his parents. Do you remember that in Luke 2 verse 51? It says this, he, that is Christ, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Hypotasso. It is the same word we find when Christ sends out his 72 disciples, right? And when they come back, they report on how the demons are reacted to them. How did the demons react? Hypotasso. Luke 10, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are hypotasso are subject to us in your name. That's submission. Subjecting yourself to an authority. God has designed, you see, the human... God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. And he has designed the human family with a proper chain of authority. The husband is the head of the family. And the wife is under his authority. Whether the husband recognizes this or not, or even accepts it, it's beside the point. That's what God has designed. Now, the wife is not inferior to her husband. She is equal in dignity, equal in status as a creature under God. And, and indeed, Paul has already reminded us there in verse 10 and 11. Christ is all and in all. <laughs> right? There is equality there because, because the man and the woman put together brings together the, is the complete image of God. Why do we think homosexuality is an abomination? Because homosexuality is a union of sameness. It undoes the image of God. The image of God in Genesis is a man and a woman put together. That completes the image of God. Along comes Satan and says, no, no, I don't want that. I want a union of sameness. He undoes the image of God. My point is it's vital we see the woman and the man as equal before God because scripture teaches it and together they complete the very image of God. So the Bible is clear about the equality of the sexes as we might call it. Right? Only the Bible gives dignity to true equality. Because the Bible grounds equality. It says we are made in the image of God. It doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. Do you see that? It doesn't, because what, you, what makes us equal is the image of God. You can never find equality in the world because the world has no basis for equality. Now, I'm digressing. I'm just making the point that what you have in the Bible is so wonderful. If you only allow the Bible to teach you how to relate to life, you find that what the world is yearning for, equality and order in society, all of these things are found in the scripture. We are made in the image of God and therefore we're equal with one another. Black, white, doesn't matter. But if you remove that, what have you got? Evolution, progression. 
And that's that we now we thought about that. Right? Anyway, going back to the main point. The point I'm trying to make is that being equal does not remove authority and structure in the family. It's quite the opposite. God has given equality authority structures to safeguard our equality. Just as we need authority in society to ensure society is functioning properly, we need the government. Without the government being in authority, we can't enjoy our freedom. We'll be killing each other, wouldn't we? So we need the government there, right? Well, it's the same thing in the home. Actually, the authority structure is there in the home to safeguard equality. And this evening we'll see God has given husbands loving authority over their wives for the dignity of the wife. So that the wife will be loved as Christ loved the church. She doesn't have to worry. And of course, he's been given this authority for the upbringing of the children, as we'll see next week. And that's why Paul speaks to fathers. Did you notice when we get to that? Not wife and father, because he's recognized the responsibility that fathers have. Uh, this authority extends not just over the wife, but also over the children as well. Now, in verse 18, Paul is saying to a married women, don't try and take over the home. Don't try and be the boss. You must submit to your husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands. When some people hear that, they quickly run to Ephesians 5 verse 21. What Ephesians 5 verse 21 says is, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so they say, oh, you see, it's not just for wives to submit. Even husbands must submit to wives. This is what is called mutual submission. And that verse, Ephesians 5.21, is a pillar uh, for those who call themselves egalitarian. Now I want to warn you, that is poor reading of the Bible, and it's a grave error to use Ephesians 5.21 in that way. Because these people who use it that way do not read the Bible properly in context. Right? Because after Paul tells us, submit to one another, he quickly explains what that means. Who's one another? Who's meant to submit? So if you read on, you find from Ephesians 5.21, you find, he explains. It means wives must submit to husbands. That, that comes first. Secondly, children submit to parents. Parents are not meant to submit to children. Right? We all get that. In the same way, husbands are not meant to submit to wives. And then slaves to their masters. The masters are not meant to submit to slaves. So the point is, Ephesians 5 to 1 is explained in the section. And if they only attended a wonderful Bible studies being led by our brother Frederick, uh, they would be easily able to see how to interpret the Bible properly. And they wouldn't get so tangled up. All of that is to say, the Bible does not teach mutual submission. It teaches that wives must place themselves under the authority of their husbands. Now, this raises an important question immediately, doesn't it? The question is this. How does that look like? How does it look like? How does submitting to the authority of your husband look like in practice? Well, for that, Paul doesn't tell us here. It seems the Colossian women didn't really need that much. They were already doing a lot of this stuff. Based on chapter 1. We have to go to Peter, who was writing to a different church who seem to need a bit more detail. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, if you turn there, Peter says this, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. 
Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be warned without a word by the conduct of their wives. He's talking about non-believing husbands. Verse 2. When they, the non-believing husbands, see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of air and the putting on of God's jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who opt in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are our children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Peter is saying to married women there, the best example of how you submit to your husband is to look at the life of Sarah. Study it, apply the lessons, right? But I'm going to spare you doing a detailed Bible study, says Peter. I'm going to give you just a few things for you to remember about how submission looks like. Learn some lessons from her. How did Sarah submit? Three lessons, Peter tells us. First, Sarah obeyed the direction and leadership of Abraham in all their travels, in all their hardship. He was leading the way. She obeyed. The direction and leadership of Abraham. Now, it does not mean she agreed with Abraham in everything. Submission in marriage is not just about, it's not about going around saying yes all the time. Your husband, even a godly husband, is a sinner. He tends to lead you in a way that does not honor Christ. And he needs your help to say no to sin. In fact, in 1 Peter, the context is that the husband there is unconverted, you see. And he needs to change. <laughs> and Peter commends the wife for trying to change the husband. But he's saying, do it in a godly way, by your conduct. So submission doesn't mean you just nod, 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 nod. No. Sometimes you must disagree with him. And you must lovingly expose his sin. And at all times, you must absolutely refuse to submit to his sinful direction. Because your obedience is to Christ and Christ first. Indeed, Christ alone. So let us be clear about that. You have a moral duty before God to disobey your husband if he's leading you into sin. You must refuse. And it takes courage. To refuse to go along with sin. But if the issue is not a matter of sin. But wisdom. It's about this decision and that decision. It's not a sinful issue. You must defer to him. You must submit to him. As a final authoritative decision maker in their marriage. Like Sarah did. I don't think Abraham consulted Sarah. on Before he left the land of earth. He obeyed God and Sarah followed. That's submission. That's submission. Married women, are you like Sarah here? Are you submitting to your husband? Or is your attitude like, this marriage is a partnership. We have one vote each. 
You have yours, I have what? Yours. If it's a time, nothing is happening. Is your attitude like, Daniel thinks he's in charge, but I can always get him to do what I want. I just need to get all emotional and you, Kevin. Nah, that's not submission. Is your attitude like, I always do what Greg tells me, but after I've told him what to say. <laughs> oh, beloved, repent of this attitude. It is not submission like Sarah. Sarah obeyed Abraham. That's submission. Secondly, what we learn from Sarah. Sarah's submission to Abraham was reflected in how she spoke to her husband. Notice we are told that she called Abraham Lord. Now, don't panic. <laughs> We're not saying you should knight anyone here. Like, go around saying, say this, say that, Lord this. Right? The point is not in precise words. It is that she expressed appropriate, culturally relevant respect. That's Lord here is cultural. You know in your own culture what it means, your background, your culture, you're living it. You know what it means to give respect, to address your husband with respect. And that's what Peter is getting at. She showed him appropriate respect. We are from different backgrounds, so expressing that will look very different. All I will say is this. She respected Abraham with deeds and with words. Married women, how do you speak to your husband? Is your mouth full of respect and pure speech like Sarah to your husband? Would your friends, if they spoke on condition of anonymity and people even in this church who have heard you speak of your husband, would they think you are a woman who thinks highly of her husband? Would they? As you speak to relatives about your husband, he does this, he does Would the person at the other end of the phone line, your sibling, would they think, if they are through the eyes of Peter, would they say, she really respects her husband? There's dignity here, the way she talks about him. I have to say, beloved, this is an area we need to work on. It's an area we need to work on. Our speech must be respectful. People in the church here, when you speak, they must see that the way you're speaking, you even address your husband, there's dignity there. There's respect there. Be Sarah. Does your husband complain about the tone of your voice? Does he feel like he's not being listened to? Are you gentle and respectful to him? Does your husband feel like he has to just pamper you to even get a point because what's coming out of there is like, ha! Yeah, beloved. Sarah's submission to Abraham was reflected in her words. And that's how it should be. For us as well. The third thing is Sarah's submission to Abraham was from the heart, wasn't it? From the heart. Don't miss that. First Peter 3. There's three there. Do not let your adorning be external, the breading of air and the putting on of God jewelry or the clothing that you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is precious, very precious. Do you see it there? 
Sarah as a, had a beautiful and gentle, quiet heart before God. You know, the original word for gentle here includes tenderness and meekness. Sarah had a tender heart that was willing to suffer for God and for Abraham. You see, the point is this, is that submission to the husband is not submission if we're just doing it, kicking and screaming. We've had it on a Sunday and we feel we must do it now. It must be from the heart. Your heart must be changed. It is not submission if you always have to get in a heated discussion. And then you are forced to agree because you run out of time to argue. Or your husband needs, feels that he's not going to eat <laughs> that day. And then he just came saying, no, 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 no. That's, remember, hypotasso, a military term, chain of command. Keep the Greek word in mind. It is not submission if your husband has, to, has exerted his authority and now you go sulking for days as a sort of punishment to him for not going along. That's not submission. God is commanding you in this passage to submit to your husband. This is his design for your marriage. Independent of your husband's situation. That's the key. Wives, submit to your husband. And so all of us here need to examine ourselves. Those who are married, particularly this morning. Married women. No husbands. Married husbands this evening. Married women. How are you doing with how you speak? How are you doing with submission under Sarah's model? Where do you need to repent before God? Where do you need to ask God to help you change, beloved? You need to resolve to grow in this area. This is a direct command from God. It's not an opinion. It's not man's idea. It's God's idea. So resolve now to submit to your husband. And resolve to grow by this, by applying the means of grace. The wives needed this word of God to submit. They needed to be reminded of that. You need the word of God. You need to be feeding on it. Being transformed become like Christ. We'll come to that in a moment. Because it's a way you would grow in this area. And so, it just shocks me, by the way, for husbands. Husbands, you want a wife who is biblical, isn't it? Who loves the word of God. So why are we not making an effort to get our wives here to sit under the preaching of the word of God, not just in the morning, but also in the evening? Your wife cannot do these things unless... She's radically committed to the word of God. And one of the things you can do to you, to you as a husband is to get your wife in the church, sitting under the word of God. It's not about you telling her to submit. That's not going to work. I'm trying to offer you help here. Right? Let the word of God do its work in your marriage. Use the means of grace God has ordained. And the key of that is to sit under preaching regularly and in the fellowship of the saints. Lead in the home and lead biblically by ensuring your wife is growing in the means of grace. Now, I'm conscious that we have single women here, isn't it? And, and some of you, <laughs> you are now thinking, marriage does sound like a death sentence. <laughs> probably, probably that's how you're thinking. It's hard being a married woman, isn't it? You are right. It is hard. And we tell people, don't enter into this marriage thing easily. Marriage must be done 
with prayer and reflection. It's not a tick box. This is hard. It is hard. And that is the point. Married women cannot submit their husbands by their own power. And God is not asking women to rely on themselves. Quite the opposite. God has provided all the help and motivation they need. So far from marriage being a joyless burden, it is actually a privilege. Because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship in which God himself is helping us. And that brings us to the second answer to that question. And I'll try and move on this quickly. I thought this would be over quickly, but we, 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 it's been somewhat slower than I expected. Let, let's just go to the second answer. So the first answer is what? All wives in Christ. God wants all wives in Christ to submit to their husbands. The second answer is this. Wives in Christ must submit to their husband because it is our privilege in Christ. Submission is a privilege. Now, the word privilege is not in verse 18, but I think it captures the context and meaning of the reason that Paul is giving for submission here. Let's look at verse 18 again. Wives, submit your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Paul is saying to the Colossian wives, and all wives here, the reason you need to submit to your husband is because it is who you are now in the Lord, in Christ. You are in the Lord. That is to say, you are under the realm and control of Christ, and you now share life with Christ. You are in union with Christ. This is your new life. And being in Christ is a privilege. You don't deserve any of this. You are in the Lord by the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ alone. That's the point. And because you have this privilege, says Paul, you must now live in line with your life and blessings in Christ, a life that Paul has prayed about in chapter 1, a life pleasing to the Lord, a life worthy of those in the Lord. That's chapter 1. Now for wives, what that means is, it means submitting to your husband. Not because he deserves it, but because Christ does. It is a privilege to submit to your husband out of love for Christ. Because you are in the Lord. Now, the context surrounding verse 18 helps us to understand how the privilege of being in the Lord helps married women in Christ to submit to Christ. And that's what I just want to say, turn on briefly to talk about three things. Three things. First, because they are united to Christ, wives in Christ are put on a new humanity in Christ that is now able to grow in submission. The context of this command is Colossians 3, verse 10 to 11, which you've got there. We've already entered at that. You are put on the new self, Paul says in verse 10, which is being renewed in the knowledge. That includes wives. After the image of his creator, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. You see that? All new believers have a new capacity to grow in submission to others. And for a wife, it means a new capacity to grow in submitting to a husband. Here is the key thing. This is a privilege that only wives in Christ have. 
this command from God is, 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 is not contrary to your true self. Your new self in Christ desires to submit to God and desires to submit to your husband. The non-believer's heart is incapable of true submission. It hears this and it thinks, patriarchy, it hears this and is thinking, ah, I don't want that. I want to be in charge. And even when they try and submit non-believers, their heart is not regenerate. And they can't really do it from their hearts. But you do. You have a divine advantage if you have repented and trust in Christ. And when you are not submitting to your husband, you are rejecting your privilege in Christ. You are rejecting who you are in Christ. That's the point. Now, if you continue rejecting who you are, if you continue having no delight in submitting to your husband, well, it raises an important question, doesn't it? Have you received a new nature? Are you born again? Are you converted? If you hear submission to husband and you think, oh, I don't want that. Are you really converted? That's the question. Submission in marriage is not simply a witness to your husband of how God is working in your life. It is meant to grow your assurance in Christ. As you submit like Sarah, you can say, yes, that is evidence surely. I can't do this in my own strength, but God has helped me. He's helped me find delight in submitting in this way. How can you claim you have truly submitted to the Lord Jesus if you are not growing in submitting to your husband as Christ commands? How can you say you have truly submitted to Christ as Lord if you are living in a way that damages the reputation of Christ in your home by rejecting his command? It's not possible. All followers of Christ have a new nature, you see, that can't submit. And so married women, are you growing in submitting to your husband? Second thing. Three things that we end. Second thing. Because they are united to Christ. Wives in Christ have the help of Christ to grow in their submission to Christ. You are not there alone. You have Christ to help you. Colossians 2 verse 9 to 10 is a context again. For in him, Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. That is Christ, who is the head of all rule and authority. What Paul is saying there is that all true followers of Christ are in him. We are in Christ. This Christ who is God in the flesh. Paul is saying we now share life with God through Christ. All wives in Christ have a true, full, and complete life in Christ. The same for believers, but speaking to wives here, if you are a wife here who is trusting in Christ, you are now living in Christ, inside of Christ, we might even say. And because you are inside Christ, in Christ, you lack nothing. You are complete in Christ because you are already united to Christ by your faith in him. So you have access 24 hours a day to the Lord Jesus Christ. You have all the help you need. You are not without help in your marriage. Christ himself is your help and strength. He's your shield in that marriage. You are in him and he is in you. That's the help. You're submitting to your husband who, who like everyone else, is a sinner, is, uh, is, 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 is selfish, insensitive, uncaring. Too preoccupied and, and maybe sometimes even rude. Submitting to somebody like that feels impossible, doesn't it? 
But as a follower of Christ, you can grow to submit, not, because it is, not only because it is your new nature to submit, but because you are not alone. Christ is in your marriage. You see, the Christian marriage always has three people in it. The wife, the husband, and Christ. And you are in union with Christ. And that's the help you need. The non-believing wife is all alone. And what a terrible situation to be in. To be married to a sinner and being in a relationship with them all alone. And I think it is a miracle that marriages of the unbelievers last at all. I think as Christians, when we mourn about the state of marriage in society, I don't think we get it. That non-believers, it's a miracle that they are married stable at all. That we see good marriages by non-believers. It's, it's a miracle. Because there's a union of two sinners, unredeemed sinners. Their marriage is built on a, a, a sinful equilibrium of mutual self-interest. Nothing holds them. But as a believer, you are in a marriage with a divine advantage. Christ, your Redeemer, is with you. He's your helper. That's your privilege. Are you struggling to submit to your husband now? Well, cry to your ever-present Redeemer to grow you in submission by the Spirit. And finally, and I'll end. Thank you for... Listening patiently, I'll just end with the final thing. Because they are united to Christ, it's the third thing. Wives in Christ have a new motive for submitting. Why, why do they need to submit? Because they are doing it for the honor of the Lord. And this is clear from verse 18, isn't it? Wives, it's clear from verse 17, by the way. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Right? giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we read verse 18 to 25 in light of verse 17, Paul is saying that the point of marriage, the point of parenting, the point of work is to do what I said at the beginning, to honor Christ the Lord. The wife God wants you to be is a wife that lives not for herself, not even for the honor of the husband fundamentally, but for the honor of Christ in your marriage. And this means submitting to your husband like Sarah, as we've said. And it also means that, it means that the privilege of marriage, in effect, is that it is... Um, the privilege of marriage is that we get to worship Christ with our marriage. That's the privilege of marriage. Point blank. What is marriage for? Marriage is not there to satisfy you. You'll be satisfied through marriage as an external benefit, we might call it. But that's not what marriage is for. Marriage has been designed by God as a means through which you worship and glorify Christ. The privilege of a Christian is that we worship God through our marriage. As we honor him. As you submit to your husband. As you die to self. When all the culture around you is saying, be the boss, be the boss, you know, you say, no, I'm going to worship Christ through my marriage. You see, in the end, all of this is all about Christ. It's all about Christ. And that's not a bad thing, is it? It's not a bad thing. Paul is saying it is our privilege, isn't it? Because we know this Christ is. Christ is our God. We are his body. We know, we, 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 we know he is our life. We know when he died, we died. On the cross. 
When he was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, we were buried with him, mysterious. When he rose from death, we rose from death with him. And we are sat in heaven at the right hand of God with him. And we know when he comes, it will be our second coming. We will bask in his glory for eternity. And we cannot wait, beloved, we cannot wait for his glorious appearance. But until then, until then, God commands all wives who are truly in Christ to submit patiently, willingly, joyfully to their husbands as they wait for the glorious appearing of Christ. Wives, Paul says, submit to your husbands. Amen.